Hi, everyone. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm here with Origami, where we help ambitious communities launch and grow their DAOs. And joining me is Emily Rosowski. And the reason that I asked Emily to come here is talking to DAO creators and other people in Web3, I've discovered that it's not just me who's having trouble with promotion. Promotion in general, marketing in general, and Web3 is difficult. And it's difficult because a lot of us just don't want to sign up to email newsletters. A lot of us don't want to do all the usual things that marketers try to get us to do. I think we're... I, I'm going to pat us on the back and maybe this sounds as arrogant, but I think we're too sophisticated to go for all those things. At the same time, as creators, we have an obligation to get the word out about what we're doing and we have a responsibility to do it right. And so we have to figure this out instead of saying, ah, this is not a world where we can do marketing or it's not going to work. We have to figure out how to do it. And so that's why I invited Emily here. Emily is a former Amazonian who launched Amazon Cares marketing program from the ground up. She went on to found Pop Agency. It's a Web3 marketing agency helping brands and artists build community online. And I invited her here to talk about what she's done for clients that has worked and also what the rest of us can learn from it and how we can use it. So, Emily, thanks for being here. It's great to chat. Give me a case study of somebody who came to you with a problem and that you were able to help. One of my clients is a brand called Protocol Labs, which in Web3 is... Um, is really, it's a company focused on building the technological infrastructure of what they consider to be the new internet. So it's um, a lot of, you know, developers, a lot of this kind of the, the laying the tracks uh, in, in Web3. And, and they came to me with an initiative to try to market a new sustainability program that they created. I mean, I think it's no surprise Web3's had some, had some uh, you know, uphill battles with trying to maintain their stance on being green and continue to dive in. So they were really looking to um, market a new program, a new event series, and they didn't really know, okay, how do we get this in front of the right people? How do we make sure the right people know about this and come? People who are in this sustainability Web3 space are talking about it. Um, and so it was my job to go in and basically help them identify the right folks, build the community around the event. And then actually market the digital marketing on the day of, which included social media and some other kind of web-based marketing tools. <laughs> Did social media work? Yeah. What an, what an interesting. So, yes. So, crypto Twitter is like a real thing. I don't have to tell you guys that. Yeah. Uh, it's a real thing. And the reason why it works is because it's the same foundations with community building. If you know the right people to talk to, to promote your event, then that little close-knit community kind of all follows each other and then it gets shared out and tweeted out and, and promoted out. So they were absolutely able to get awareness and then certainly people converted from just some of the social media uh, conversations. But but the, the piece is, it's not like, oh, they tweeted or we tweeted and so mm -hmm. therefore they got conversion. It's that we tweeted and people saw it who are in the community because we use the right hashtags and tag the right speakers. And then they kind of pass it along to their friends, sharing it out on their platforms or their handles. And, and that's really what leads to the conversion. A single tweet is not going to get you very far in most situations. I think Web2 even showed us that, you know. <laughs> Wait, so then what's the <laughs> distinction here? The distinction is Twitter as a way of getting them to kind of sign on for promotion, but promotion by them beyond Twitter into their community. So if they have a Discord exactly. server. Exactly. Having them so bought in that they go into their Discord server and add it as an event or let people know that they could come and then maybe having them tweet organically from their own account, I'm going to be there or this. Well, you tell me. Well, I think it's a bit more casual than that. Um, in my experience, it's they see it. They see enough people in their network talking about it. You know, let's say one of the the speaker lineup is is done correctly, right? Enough people who are relevant to the community. So it starts kind of showing up in their feed. And then they'll go to their their Telegram chats or their Discord chats and say, hey, does anyone know about this event? Are you guys going? Do you have a free code? Ah. <laughs> that's, that's most of the conversation because essentially okay. what the community is trying to check is, is my community going to show up at this event? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be valuable for me to show up at this event? And are, are we all kind of going to go? Which create the whole um, ecosystem of itself, you know, and there's there's certain events that hit the mark because gotten to the right folks, certain events that fall short because no one's talking about it. So they don't go. 
And Emily, this is something that comes up a lot in my conversations with you. It's not about how do you get the right ad placement, how do you craft the right tweet, how you get the right image. Yeah, I see that you're even laughing it off. It's more having talked to you about who do you know who cares enough to talk about what you're doing and talk about it with you and their community. And it's going to keep coming back to that. So how do you get these people to care enough to go into their community and talk about it? What is it that you do? I one thing that I've discovered is if I could get somebody to participate with me, then I get them on board to promote it, right? So we've done Twitter spaces. That's done really well for us at Origami because when we do a space, um, everyone who's in the space has an incentive to kind of tweet it out and say, I'm going to be at this thing and that helps. But that's one technique. Give me more ideas for what you can do to get others to share and to tell their communities. The core of this is that um, what we are really doing is community marketing. That's That's the most successful piece of of um, strategy that you can deploy when it comes to Web3 just across the board. So Twitter Spaces as an example works, like you said, because it brings people together in that nature. But but you can take the idea of a Twitter space and let's just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about events, then I'm going to talk about things that you don't have to do in person. So let's say you want to drive people towards some sort of engagement. And I, and I bring up events in particular, and we can talk about this more, because I find it is one of the kind of cornerstone marquee things with the Web3 community when you really want to gain traction, you really want to gain, gain buy-in, exposure, things of that nature. So if you were to say, hey, I'm going to operate this event over here in a silo and I'm going to bring a cool band and I'm going to post about it, kind of say and spray it in a bunch of random channels that I have no connection to. I'm sure we've all seen that, right? We're in the Discord channel. Someone who's never been a part of the community posts about a random event or a random thing that they're doing and is shilling, right? Um, those things never quite get traction. But if you craft your promotion, even if it's not an event, but just a promotion in a way that deploys the theories and kind of mechanisms of community, you're going to have more success. Meaning, um, if you're going to launch an event, where are your partnerships? Who's going to be speaking at the event? Even if, let's say, they're not a sponsor, is there someone who is core in that community who can really, you know, draw an audience, draw a very specific targeted audience because there's trust. That 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 sort of understanding of how you craft mm-hmm. anything. I mean, it, it worked in Web 2, but it's even more important in Web 3 because so much of these other tactics aren't really working as well. So coming back to Protocol Labs, I understand yeah. Protocol Labs has a reason to share it out. You mentioned sponsors. Did they have sponsors? My guess is not. Well, they were in true in true nature. They were um, supportive for the sponsors to be there to be associated with Protocol Labs because of that audience they they were able to build, but but somewhat inconsequential. Like it, it's okay. they're not really driving traction there in the way that perhaps sponsorships might in other in other uh, verticals. I will say this: one of the things that I've learned about sponsors is they will help with promotion. They have an incentive to go say we we're here at this thing and it's great and we're sponsoring it. And they will come in and promote. And I always felt bad as an event organizer asking sponsors for promotion because I felt like they're paying me. I should be providing for them. But if yeah. I do it right, they are happy to do it. You mentioned partners. What partners are there for an event? What partners are there that could help? I'm actually going to use an example to illustrate a point. Uh, one of the clients I worked with, I thought it did partnerships so well, right? Like the way that it all came together was really powerful. So um, there is an event called Shilling Point, or Shelling Point, <laughs> Shelling Point, which is pr- put on by Gitcoin. Um, and Gitcoin's real mission with that event was collective thriving. So they wanted to talk about regeneration. They wanted to talk about refi. They wanted to talk about, you know, the DeFi space as well as climate action, things that kind of were social good meets crypto kind of. And so they were really smart in the fact that they partnered with um, with a subsidiary of Protocol Labs, which kind of meets almost the exact same audience, um, specifically focused on public goods. So now their event is split into two, two events in one umbrella. Uh, they then added another stage, which was specifically for Radical Exchange, which was a community that um, Vitalik was heavily involved in with his late last paper. So he released a paper a couple months, um, I guess now a little, little over a year ago, related to democracy and utilizing um, kind of the crypto methodology or kind of DAO methodology with, with democracy. Um, 
And so they brought in Radical Exchange because Radical Exchange was a core author on that paper, the, the founder of that um, with Vitalik. They had another stage. And the fourth stage that they had was specifically around DAOs bringing their DAO community, like the DAOs got together and organized DAO conversations around sustainability. So it was like DAOs organizing DAO leaders. So you had four different stages now all happening with different communities coming together to showcase what they're working on. That works because now you've not only opened up the door for people who care about what Gitcoin or you know, Shelling Coin is doing, but you open up the door for cross-collaboration all within the realm of what that particular community is going to care about. So they had incredible intended, like the, the tickets sold out, like people were trying to like swap them at the door. Like it was over oversold by and large. Um, the other thing that they did I thought was fascinating. And again, this was something that we were working on with them is um, they had a um, uh, an application process at the beginning. So if people wanted to come, they had to apply and share like it was a free event. Like why they why they cared to be at a regenerative collective okay. thing, and and why does that work? It works because of the way that they brought everybody together. That it was like a can't miss thing. If you care about sustainability, uh, you know, um, doing good with crypto DAOs, like anything of that nature, and um, you know, in that space, if you're interested in those things, that those are the people you're going to want to be connecting with and talking with. It's like a triple whammy. So, so I think the, exactly what you're doing with Twitter Spaces is what they're doing, uh, what they did with an event, which I think was incredibly successful as far as okay. the networking and the connection goes, for sure, for sure. Okay, so it's partnerships. How often can you get partnerships and how creative can you do it? And one thing that I've discovered is even small partners can be helpful. I used to dismiss people who are much, much smaller than than whatever I was working on as partners because it felt uneven. What I discovered was smaller partners have more energy, more time, more desire to prove themselves. And so and to almost feel like they've got to break past that insecurity of I'm too small. Why was I even involved? I better show them that I'm worthwhile. And so they do a lot more work and they do help out a lot. Okay. Um, do you have examples of partnerships outside of events? And I know events are really important to your marketing and frankly, in general, to Web3 marketing. But outside of events, do you have an example of a partnership that helped somebody grow their promotion? Well, I think what's important to kind of bookend here is that it's it's really about micro-influence. So in these spaces that are trustless in nature, we're looking for ways to instill trust. And so, you know, a big behemoth brand that maybe has hundreds of thousands of followers might not necessarily instill the same amount of trust as someone who has a thousand followers who's met three people and, you know, that you know, you're more likely to listen to them. In the world today, that's true. But in the crypto world, that's even more true. So so something like that is is key, <laughs> like really yeah. going into that. And, and I'll use an example. So there was an artist that I was working with. She was debuting an album, her first Web3 album. She had some traction outside of the Web3 space, but was really looking at it as an opportunity to drive forward. And she was marketing completely digitally. So there was no events. There was no what have you. She, she did or no other sort of big, there wasn't like huge advertisements, none of that. She was really looking to build community, kind of the grassroots way on social media. And so we use several tactics. The first, which you've already discussed, Twitter spaces. I cannot, I cannot stress how important Twitter spaces are for Web3 because it just brings people together in that sort of organic way. But we didn't just host our own. This is another key tactic. We tried to identify the DAOs that were related to what she was working on. So she was a woman of color. She was releasing something that was kind of like... um. Jamaican in nature, like it kind of had different vibes to it. So we we leaned into communities that were around women, women in Web3, women of color, you know, BIPOC communities in Web3. We leaned into, you know, Afro, Afro um, Brazilian culture and, you know, some of these, some of these Afro-Caribbean culture, some of these, these communities that exist that are just interested in Web3. Guess what? They also have discords. They also have Twitter spaces and they want people to come to their stuff. So, so instead of hosting with them, she said, can I participate in yours? Exactly. Got it. Okay. So yeah. tell me, who is she? Uh, her name is Angel. So she's, um, like I said, an artist, a, a um, 
a singer, a musician, artist, things like that. And she was kind of getting into into Web three. Um, okay. And so, yeah, so tell me more. What else did you yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her name Angel Anya. People want to check her out. I think I can't remember what her Twitter handle is off the top. It's like it's Angel or so. I sh- that's that's sad. We haven't worked with her for a little bit, but um, but it was a great case study. So um, we tried to identify these different communities that she was already a part of. Uh, by just the nature of who she was and show up to their parties, right? The, the other thing that we did is we leaned into the Web3 music community. So there's a DAO that, um, you know, I was a part of for a while called Good Karma DAO, which is a decentralized record label. Um, and so they they host uh, Web3 music, Twitter spaces, like happy hours virtually, the whole the whole thing. And uh, we we just jumped into what they were doing and tried to build community and network there. And and I found those strategies are actually kind of an informal way of partnering. But what happens is then everyone's kind of talking about, oh, did you meet this person? Did you meet that person? Or did you hear you know, Angel's new single? And everyone's kind of now supporting each other because it feels more like a camp than like a concert. You know, <laughs> like yeah. everyone knows each other. And that's, that's the key because everything is so digital um, and so... Um, hypervigilant. I think a lot of people in Web3 are incredibly hypervigilant about their identity, their data, their privacy. And in many cases, like there's good reason. So so I cannot stress enough how, how important that is. I understand when you say Twitter spaces, that means she goes in, they're promoting Twitter space, she's helping to promote, she gets to speak, people naturally will follow the person who, who they like. What do you do in Discord with her? How does she ah. partner with people in Discord? Yeah. So it's so it's uh, two two stages to this. One in Discord, if you have a good community manager, which by the way, if you're going to be doing this tactic, I highly recommend ensuring that you have picked communities and DAOs and networks where there is a solid community manager. Because if there isn't a solid community manager, you're you're gonna get lost in the fold. Like that's just it's just gonna get lost. There's just too much information. So let's just assume right that you've created this. Or in our case, we picked ones that we knew had good community managers. So we engage in the daily conversation. And what that means is like silly things like, hey, everybody, how's everyone's day? Or I saw this really cool post. I thought I would share it. Right. This is just about being human and showing up, trying to trying to be yourself in that space without asking for anything. Um, do, you, do, you, do you ever see uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's first like well, I don't know his first book, but the jab, 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 right hook yeah. was the name. OK, I, I loved this book when I first started in marketing like years ago. And um, it's just like that. We're trying to show up and kind of jab a little, show a little bit of our skin, a little bit of the personality, um, and and we just become part of the community. And it's n- it's not like you have to be so original, right? Like you can even create like a schedule for yourself of like what mm-hmm. you're going to do throughout for like throughout each week with specific targeted content. And the second component is that in discords, again, those community managers are trying to program. So there's always some sort of programming, again, if you have a solid community manager. And I'm not just talking about day-to-day conversation. I mean, like, they're going to have weekly calls or they're going to have a monthly get-together or they're going to do whatever. So finding the right community that is your niche audience that you have the capacity to really engage within, several that have good enough reach is key. Because what you're doing then, and this is like the the part of it all that that I want to emphasize, is you're building up a network with the people who are most influential in those DAOs, in those discords, the community managers, the people who are showing up day to day, like you become known. And then if you layer that on with going to an event, then all of a sudden it's like you have this giant community that you didn't even know you had because let's say, let's use the Good Karma example. They have music showcases in LA every month. Let's say you've started to network in that community. There's thousands of people in that community. You now have a name for yourself because you're on the Discord every week. They know you. You show up to an event in person. Now, all of a sudden, your sense of connection, trust, and community with them has skyrocketed. And the likelihood that they're going to promote your NFT, uh, your music NFT, and help you get sales and help you get reach is significantly higher because it's like promoting your friend, not promoting some random person on the internet. And that's, okay. that's yeah, that's the, the ecosystem. So Twitter space I got. Discord, now I think I got, tell me if I'm following this, you're saying Mm -hmm. pick a few Discord servers that are active and have a community manager. 
Yep. Go in there and do the usual GM or whatever it is that you do. Pop in with links, pop in with conversation, schedule it maybe for 10 minutes a day to go or 30 minutes a day to go in all these different discords and communicate, answer questions, whatever. But more importantly, once you've done that, go to the community manager and see if there's any other way you can contribute. Can you exactly. host an AMA? Can you bring somebody in as a guest for the AMA and so on? That that way you're connected in. And then when there's an in-person event, you're not a stranger. You're connected in with them. Okay. I'm following that. Is there anything else that's digital that we can talk on? Please say there is because there we're going to go there into totally offline, is. but digital <laughs> is so much more efficient. There is. There is. So the other thing that I really want to stress, and we talked about this a little, even just in our side conversations, Andrew, is the power of a Telegram chat, of a really solid Telegram chat. Um, I think in in the crypto space, discords can be so overwhelming. I mean, even with strategies like that, you have to, with the ones we just talked about, you have to find the right discords where your voice is going to be heard. That's that's part of the, the strategy. Yep. With Telegram chats, I find my strongest connections and the most that I'm able to get done as a consultant helping clients out happen in Telegram. That's nine times out of 10. That's where I get the strongest conversions. That's where I get the strongest touch bait, like finger on the pulse of what's happening, where, where are people actually going? Um, like if let's say it's uh, an event or just kind of general, what are they doing? What are they interested in? What are they what are they focused on? And this one's tricky because a lot of the stuff we've talked about actually pre predicates um, finding those right Telegram chat. But but so it's really slowly weaving your way into the system. Let's use the example of the music mm -hmm. community just for sake of continuity. Let's say you built up that connection with this community. You go to the events or even you're just talking online, in that community, you find out about a new artist that's got a lot of traction that has, you know, was a part of a really cool artist telegram chat that has 150 people, key artists in the Web3 space. I can't necessarily tell you what every telegram chat is that exists in your vertical, but I can promise you that there's probably 10, maybe more, maybe less, that are really high value that have between 10 and maybe a couple hundred people that are going to reach the people that you really want to reach. And because discords can be so noisy, a lot of stuff's actually happening in there. So it's about kind of knowing those communities, which either you could kind of put in your blood, sweat, tears to build those out, or you could work with someone who's done it, which is which is a lot of what my clients come to me looking for is like, where do we go? Um, and it's almost like, um, uh, like the whole kind of PR worlds, like you kind of know the right contacts and connections and communities and can bring your clients there. Um, so you can either do that blood, sweat, tears yourself, which is totally valid, totally possible, um, or work with someone who already knows. And once you get access to those kind of communities or networks, um, it really doesn't take much, maybe a message or two to share what you're up to for people to start talking about it. Um, you'll start to see threads of what people are interested in, what they're sharing, what events they're going to, what things they're talking about, which DAOs they're a part of. And that kind of organic networking is, yeah. is really the most successful. So what go, what what's talked about in these telegram groups? It's everything. It's hard to, it's hard to even pinpoint it. There there's communities I'm a part of that are you know just a handful of founders like you're saying, maybe not doing push-ups, but just like shooting the shit, talking about random stuff. Um there's a there's communities I'm a part of that are women in web3 that are just like Women sharing their stuff that they're working on and people really show up and get feedback on that. Like, you know, I posted this is a little bit of an aside, but just to show the power of like some of these these communities that are held online. I posted a job description for someone to come on and help me um, uh, with some client work on one of these threads. And within a day, I had five highly qualified people <laughs> reach out to me and apply for the job, like individually have conversations with me. Uh -huh. It was crazy. I've, I've never had something that quick that high quality in such amount like it, it was it was kind of baffling to me so it can be everything from just getting the message out to what you're doing to kind of individual personalized conversations it could be women in web3 it could be founders in web3 it could be any one of those things and you're saying few dozen to a few hundred people max and all that's happening is people are sharing what they're doing and you pop in there from time to time the fact that you're being seen in this exclusive club which is a telegram chat shows to everyone else that you're i don't know that you're in the know and then when it's time for you to ask for something they've seen you they right and secondarily ones that are really i think 
some of the most underrated but most valuable are let's say that you choose to go to one, maybe two events per year and you're able to build subgroups of people who've gone to that event, you know, mm. women at NFT NYC. And it's like a, right. a subgroup of women that you kind of know everybody who's inviting everybody. Um, I'm using my own personal example at this point. That's key because, you know, it's maybe it's, it's a high quality group of people who's who's invested enough that they're going to travel and then network with people who are in your same kind of general circle plus three or four, you know, three or four maybe magnitudes outward. And and they can be so helpful because they're not very active during the kind of day to day. But when they are active, there's already a trust built. There's like a there's like a connection built. And so to give the example of um, the Protocol Labs event where there was a sustainability function, one of the key strategies that I used for marketing was I went to all the community chats on Telegram that I was invited to or connected to through a friend or a friend or whatever, and just popped in and said, hey, guys, is anyone going to the Sustainable Blockchain Summit? I've got a code if anyone wants it. Literally, there's, it was like, no, 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 what's the code? What's the code? What's the code? It work. It works. Like I wish I was. I wish I could be more complicated here, but it's um, building good faith and just nurturing these relationships. Not over. How do you find these groups? So, this gets a little controversial because it it good. takes a lot of in person hours, right? But for me, it has been two things. Number one, I go to events, and I don't just go to events. I know the people who are hosting the events that I go to, so I know that. So when I'm choosing, let's say I'm going to eat Denver. I have 800 events I could choose from, side events and whatnot. The events that I'm going to are the ones where I know the person on the panel or I know someone who knows the person on the panel or the person who's hosting the event. Why? That I can go right up to the person who's in charge when I enter, say hello, and they can introduce me to people who I should talk to at the event. Hands down, key. How, how did I meet these people to begin with? Well, one, it's networking, just kind of happenstance. Some of it's just pure dumb luck. Sometimes it's just, you know, going to things that I'm interested in and trying to start a conversation. Um, myself, I also, you know, started educating women specifically on women and uh, on crypto. And so I had something to talk to somebody about, which I think is key. You know, if you have uh, an opportunity to build some sort of partnership or highlight somebody in a way, it's the easiest way to build introductions with high value people, especially in these networks that are relationship based, very close knit. If you come with an offer first, as opposed to, hey, I need something from you, you'll get a lot of traction. So it's just kind of me going to them like, hey, can I talk to you? Can I interview you? Like, you know, can I support your women that you're hiring? Like, you know, like there's, there's a clear ask. And though for me, it very much boots on ground, connecting with people and then creating something that folks were interested in enough that it solved a problem that they were willing to talk to me. And then, but then how do you go from there to the to Telegram. I like that you're going to events yeah. where you're specifically picking the ones that matter to you, but also where you can meet the host and not just be another attendee. And then you're mm -hmm. not just meeting the host and say, I've always wanted to meet you. It's good to see you in person. And congratulations on the big event. It's more like, I'm here. Who should I know who cares about whatever it is that you're talking about? Take me to the next step. How do you go from mm -hmm. there to now bring it back to Telegram groups and online connections? Yeah. So so that first part I was talking, I was almost addressing, like, how do you get started with it in a way? Right. But once you built up that momentum and you started to understand who the key players are in the space, you just pay attention. What DAOs are they talking about? What communities are they a part of? And then you start sussing them out yourselves. And I'm talking about just like an onlooker as I'm just getting started. What communities should I be paying attention to? Like Good Karma, like I mentioned, I found out about them through an event that I went to in New York City. I checked them out online. They had a good community manager, and I started engrossing myself in the community. Through that, I was able to connect with further artists, was able to use them in my, my work, and then through all of that, was able to identify, okay, actually, these are the key five people, and that's the community that they're talking in, and these are the telegrams. So it's, it's kind of like this ongoing process of understand who the players are, observe where they're hanging out, show up where they are, and then become relevant in that community space. So you go from online, or excuse me, offline to online, and you do the same sort of thing. Um, there's a musician that I'll, I'll bring up. His name is Daniel Allen, and he's been incredibly successful. He's been written up by Rolling Stones. You know, Billboard, Billboard has done articles on him because he went from having less than 2,000 followers on Twitter to 
uh, selling out all of his NFT music collections as one of the most successful indie artists that's ever graced Web3 because his collections sell out. And when you hear him talk, when you talk to him, he will tell you that the way he went from zero to making hundreds of thousands of dollars on a single album, just even without like further distribution, but just from NFT sales is by building individual connections with key players in the industry and nurturing those online and off. And through those relationships, you're actually going to get the doors open. And it's about repetition as well. So this is part of the controversial part. Not everybody can pick up and just travel all around to different crypto conferences. But guess what? People who have the highest traction and biggest investments in their companies that are just in the DAO space starting up and whatever, they're going around conference to conference and they're hanging out with everybody again and again and again and again. So make no mistake, these relationships are strong and they're intimate. Zug, our community manager here at uh, Origami, when I first saw him in Lisbon, he had come off of a multi-city travel experience where he was just going from event to event, often seeing the same people right. over and over at those events, picking up t-shirts. He has some nice clothes. He's a good dresser, but he shucked <laughs> a lot of those clothes just to get the t-shirts of the people he cared about and show up at the next event with their t-shirt. And that's something. It is a lot of work. And I could understand how he could do that. He's a single guy. He's younger. He's traveling. He's He could be nomadic. And that's what you're saying about the controversial mm -hmm. part, that it means that if someone is married with kids and other obligations, maybe taking care of their parents, they're not traveling that much and they are at a bit of a disadvantage. Yeah. Okay, so then that's where being in the Telegram groups helps. I wonder, can you create a Telegram group? Is there an opportunity to say, you know, I see sure. a little group of people here. I'm going to create a Telegram group and and just start adding people to it who totally. want to be in it. So there, there's, a, there's another community of two women that created something called Frothy Friends exactly what they did. So they were just connecting with people both online and off, added them to a Telegram group. And but they had to have value in the Telegram group. So that that's one of the ones that I, I really enjoy being involved in, because when I post something, they have tremendous community management. So every time I share something, one of the founders of that Telegram group, one of those two women always reaches out and says, hey, Emily, you actually might want to talk with this person and this person. They'd be a good person to connect with. So they're they understand the assignment, right? <laughs> like what's what's the what's the telegram for? It's for connection, yeah. it's for promotion, it's for community. And so if you're gonna create a telegram, don't just create a telegram and just shill all your stuff and say, check out our new feature. Actually add value. And you know, one of the things we talked about uh even before we had this call was with uh with one of our friends V, what do you do when you have a we have an update, right? What do you have do, do when you have a system update? Well, if you have a solid Discord channel, or you have a really valuable Telegram channel, people are engaged and interested. And by the way, they trust you because they've met you maybe once or twice. They've seen you kind of in Twitter spaces or some of these other tactics. They're more likely to listen and care. I can tell you that certain communities that have that tight-knit network, when they provide updates, like push updates, people know about it. The core users know. And that's really what you're trying to do, get those people to continue to re-engage with you. Maybe you're missing out on some of the fringe like you did with the email, but but there is there is a way to communicate if you build up the right core community. But this doesn't help with scale, by the way. I, I, I can't answer scale like beyond beyond this, this like kind of general Web3 space. Once you start shifting into the rest of the world, I presume um, a lot is going to have to change, both from the product side as well as the marketing side. But this is really just zero to. OK. You know, and, and truthfully, that's where it's the hardest. Once you go beyond this to broader community, you've got you've got problems that are a little bit more similar to the rest of the marketing world. It's those right. early days that it's challenging. Can't build an email list. Hey, there obviously there are ways to do it. There are people who've done it. I, I'm a subscriber to Milk Road and other email newsletters. They're using old school Web One technology to get uh, to get a relationship. Um, and I, and I don't want to dismiss that, but they're clearly Web3 tactics that we need to know. Our friend who we talked to the other day who's building a software company, he can't do software and at the same time master email marketing and content production and everything. And in the old days, he would just rely on, I will give you this free thing. You'll give me an email address. I'll continue the relationship with you that way until you're ready to buy or move on from me. And that's yeah. what we're solving here. Okay. Um, we talked about events. We talked about uh, Discord. We talked about Telegram communities. 
let's talk uh, about um, about how to find the right events to go to. How mm. do you know the the right ones? And then how do you know the right side events that are worth your time? And you've told me before we got started, just two a year should be enough. Yeah. I mean, even just to get started, it's about understanding which, number one, who are you trying to reach? What what community you're trying to infiltrate? If it's just DAOs in general, then you'd probably be best served going to a kind of mid-size event like MCON, which is all about deep DAO people. Like they, that is like in the weeds. I, I recommend that to everybody who's curious about DAOs. Number one, because you, you have to learn about the way it works. Like what I'm talking about here is just, you know, you can hear it, but it's that 10 times more effective when you can experience it for yourself and you can see how these networks work and how the communities kind of orchestrate themselves. Um, uh, so really, like I was mentioning, you you don't need to go to every single one of these events. If you're just starting to kind of get your feet under you and really start to build the connection, it's about knowing where your community is and showing up there to the best of your ability as, as many times as is feasible for you. So let's use the other example of sustainability. You know, in this case, that sustainable blockchain summit, like I mentioned at the beginning with Protocol Labs, was a place where they worked hard to get every single speaker who was relevant to that space on stage. So that's the place you got to go to meet your people. If you don't care about DeFi, except for the context of sustainability, then that sort of community is the place to start. Or something just like that, you know, like looking at all those speakers and figuring out where they are again, right? Finding those little niche communities is, is key. If you are just looking at the space in general, a big event could be useful right? Like going to ETH Denver, going to ECC, which is in Europe, if you're based out there, you can get a, a good handle on kind of generally what the space is about. But until you click down to those smaller subcommunities and subgroups, it's going to be honestly completely overwhelming. So my question to these, to anyone who's looking is, what is it that you're looking to achieve? Who do you want to reach? And then to get very laser focused on where is that community of people gathering? Because I promise if you go to a big event, there's going to be several sub-events that are from top-tier brands that are trying to create smaller conferences underneath the larger umbrella. And that's specifically where I would start if you're, if you're just kind of looking across the board. So in the case of, um, I'm going to use the Protocol Labs example again because they do this often. It's one of their core strategies. And honestly, I think it's one of the most brilliant things that they choose to do. They pick a big marquee event. Um, like Web Summit, they chose this year. Uh, they also chose um, uh, ETH Denver. They like, all of these events that have already existed. They've chosen to create a sub conference underneath the event that is specific towards you know insert objective you know um, funding public goods or sustainability or you know tech hiring whatever. Protocol Labs is not the only brand doing this. There are several in the space that are doing exactly like this. So pick one or two that visibly fit into your schedule and then look at what other sub-brands are doing in the market. Everything from Solana to, like I mentioned, Gitcoin. Like, I mean, those at least are three you could look at that I know consist of. Nier does a ton. Like there, there are specific communities. And when you click down into that, that sub-bullet, um, that's where you're going to find, I think, the most, the most traction. I honestly don't even go to the main stage stuff anymore. There's no point. Do you collect, uh, I guess you add people on Telegram when you meet them? What's your, that's the strategy. You meet somebody in person, say, great, we should stay in touch. What's your Telegram? And that's how you stay connected. Yeah, or Twitter. Depends on Twitter. kind of the the the, uh, the nature of the conversation. If I, if I really want to connect with them, yeah, I'll, I'll grab their Telegram. But if I'm just like, oh, it's great to meet you. What's your Twitter account? It's a little more of a little lighter touch connection. What's another online or offline technique for connecting with people in a way that allows you to promote what you're working on? So promotion is kind of interesting because I almost rarely do straight up promotion unless I have a relationship built in the community. So in that case, I guess I would, I would kind of defer that to some of the things I've already talked about. So, you know, once I've built connection with somebody, um, sending out messages to people who I know. Let's say, let's use Telegram as an example. If I'm launching something or if I have an event that I want people to know about or I'm, you know, helping someone launch their new album or have you, 
then I'll individually reach out to key people who, let's say, I've met at events or have had good connections with and build up the rapport, share what I'm doing. And this is mm -hmm. also key. Ask where else they think I should put it in a, in a non-threatening way, not like, tell me, yeah. but more like, hey, do you know about the other communities you think that I should reach out to? Um, and this is always this is always a trick for me, because depending on my client, I'm in might be looking at a completely different community that I don't initially have any connection with. So in that case, I'm kind of like a client or, you know, anybody on here who's just starting out. What do you do? I rely on the connections I have to tell me what spaces I should explore next. So it's it's almost like mm. a game. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what? I will ask people to promote somewhere, but I never come back and say whether they say yes or no and never come back and say, is there another place where I should go? Where else should I be promoting it? And then I imagine once I discover that, I should be doing it for for everything. Use the same the same channel. So for example, I told you the Twitter space is the latest thing that's worked for us. I ask people to promote on Twitter space. I think a next technique I should the next event we do, I should also come back to the people who are who are hosting with us and say, I think your followers or your Discord server, your community there would want to find out about it. Would you mind posting it there as an event? Totally. Yeah. I mean, we're doing one later today with uh, people who create DAOs, like all these different people who in some in some way cool. you think that they're competitive, but we're all playing in the same world. And each one of us is going after a different group of people. Some people just want small DAOs. Other people like us would go for bigger DAOs. Um, and so we're all speaking together. We should have asked, can you also list it in your community as a as a calendar? Would it be OK if I added it as a calendar invitation? Yeah. I discovered that I can just go add as calendar invitations to people's servers. It's well, that's key. If you can take something off of, so here's the other thing as a little nugget there. Mm -hmm. If you can take something off the plate of the community manager or whoever's building that network, right. even better. So if you can say, hey, do you guys need help staffing your next Twitter space or you know promoting something new on your calendar? Why don't we help you? Like, like that right there <laughs> will get you points. You know, you have to know the community uh, and not overstep yes. and blah, blah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, um, but it, it really is about, it's about people and relationships um, in, in a way okay. like, yeah, that's the number one. Yeah. But for sure, if you can take something off their plate, even better because community managers, by the way, they have so much pressure on them in the DAO. They are like the lifeblood of the DAO. And if, it, if they're not properly supported, which most are not because of several reasons, yep. they could use whatever help they could get, which is also part of the reason why if you are someone who's well-versed into the DAO world, let's say you want to launch a DAO product and you want to get traction. If you understand how the politics are kind of set up in each of these communities roughly, and you know what pain points they have, then you know whose pain point you solve, which kind of goes to this larger picture of this community manager might be having problems. In another DAO, maybe you notice that it's not the community manager, but it's the you know onboarding person that has the same problem. So so it's it really is about personalization and understanding who you're actually reaching, which makes marketing for DAOs also kind of challenging. It's a little bit of a deviation, but I wanted to touch on that because I think um, I've seen people get a lot of traction in their communities uh, with mm -hmm. their products by just having pretty loose but good relationships with people at you know maybe a handful of DAOs that then knew other DAOs that they could talk to and could give them a little heads up on how things work. And you don't even have to know the inside tea, right? You could just pay attention to what's happening on the Discord and where you kind of get the sense of tension. And I find that where people drop off when it comes to Web3 marketing is that they're kind of scared of all the grunt work, you know? Like you can't just put his Twitter ad out yeah. and see it work. Like you kind of got to put a little elbow grease and um, especially with DAOs, you got to be friendly. <laughs> This not everybody, you know, which is okay. No, your point about being scared off of all the grunt work is one of the things that hit me as you were talking. I said, well, this is a lot of small task work, mm -hmm. but I guess I don't have to pick the things that I can't do or are distracting or exhausting, but there might be some things that are easier for me to do, but pains for others that I could just take on and say, we'll do that for you. Um, all right. This is kind of a tactical question, but it's important. How do you keep track of all this? If you're trying to follow up with people, is there software that you use to make sure you're following up with people? Mm -hmm. If you're marketing something, how do you keep track of both the people you're marketing through and then the different channels that they tell you to market through? What's the process for that? I wish I could be more sophisticated than that, but I'm 
a bit of an old school kind of tool person myself, <laughs> as silly as it is. And I, I honestly have these things listed in spreadsheets. Like I know who my people are. I know what communities they relate to. Um, I don't have a CRM. Maybe I should look into one. But but even just the the multiple channels that I'm talking to people on are like yeah. so various. And and this sounds a little crazy, but a huge part of the success with knowing who to talk to and who to get kind of introductions to around new projects, ones I've just started out with and maybe I don't have a built community around, is a lot of like intuition. I'm like, oh, I actually think that person kind of feels like they would know something. And I've had insane success with that. And I think that's actually universal. Like people kind of check in with themselves and really see that person I met. Do they seem like someone I could reach out to? Yeah, actually, I'm going to send them an email. And so um, or send them a text or whatever it is. So mm -hmm. so I think for me, it's mostly spreadsheets. It's client dependent. So as I'm working on different clients, I have different communities that I'm focused on. Um and then, of course, like I'm presenting a lot of strategies. So my clients have access to all the groups I'm reaching out to and things like that, yeah, more or less. What I've done is I create a new database in Notion for each project, and then I might pre-populate it with content from another project. But it's it still can be overwhelming and I still could lose totally. things. And I, I hate losing things because I know when I'm on the other end of something and somebody asks me to participate and then they don't follow through. There's a part of me that goes, maybe they just didn't think I was important enough. Maybe they didn't think mm. that this was helpful enough. And in reality, what is probably happening, and I know that happens with me, is I I drop the ball on the most important people because I think that they're they're too busy. I think mm. that I'll remember or that they've got it. I, I'm thinking about right now, yeah. somebody just messaged me and said they were trying to get into the Twitter space. Not that my whole life is Twitter space, but if we're using it, I might as well bring it up. He goes, <laughs> Are you sure it's not me, your whole life? I don't know. Um, you know what? It's it's incredibly effective, and we've done a f we've I've only done like three or four in the last couple of weeks, and I've seen Super how effective, effective it is. Beyond the numbers, it's just a good relationship. For some reason, yeah. being there with somebody who's speaking creates a warmer relationship. Following up with them afterwards by DM creates a warmer relationship. Like I used to, I love being around as many people as possible. And if I'm speaking at a conference, I want to go out and talk to the attendees because there are a lot of them, and they came out to talk to me. And then I I realized. I need to spend some time in the green room too. It's a smaller group of people. They're busy and they're anxious and all that. But there is a warmth that just comes from being present, even having a drink and a coffee and a conversation in there is, is supportive. And I think the same thing's happening for, for events like this. It's not about the audience necessarily, though they're coming along for the ride and they better have a good experience. But sometimes just, hey, there you're speaking. Who else is there? Anyway, what I'm saying is this guy... He said yes to speaking. I didn't see him. He didn't show up. And then I thanked everybody for participating or at least being interested. And I sent a follow-up message to him. And he said, you know, Andrew, I, I kept trying to get involved and I couldn't I couldn't get in there. Um, and I felt, oh, the reason that I didn't, I couldn't find him. I just assumed he was too busy and I didn't want to ping him mm. and say, come on, jump in here. But that's on me. And anyway, the reason that I'm bringing that up is I do want to keep improving my process for for staying on top of people and staying in in their world. Like I imagine mm. I might create a marketing space or a marketing mm. event and then accidentally leave you out because there's not a good system for tagging Emily as yeah. as a marketer. I totally agree. I mean, we use tools operationally like Notion and and Airtable are the two we use, but those are all project specific, right? Like I have different projects, different clients that have different access tools. So it's so my 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 tools and database has to be somewhat separate of that. So that when I have a new client, I can kind of copy paste people I know and right. say, actually I think these are the right ones. So so I totally agree. I don't I don't necessarily have a good system for it, but um but it definitely means having to be on top of it in some way, shape or form, which can be tricky. Yeah. Do you have another client or example that we could talk about? Well you know what I actually wanted to share this one story, which I just want to preface by saying um you don't have to do everything. And I think obviously I'm sharing every single tactic and strategy that I've ever used with any client and different variety. So it can, I think, come off maybe overwhelming. But if you think about marketing more in Web3, especially in the DAO space, more like sales and relationship building than you do digital marketing or kind of more of traditional marketing styles, that's that's kind of the right way to think about it. And so I'll just preface it with saying that there is a, a, a really good friend of mine who is in the DAO community 
who recently launched a product. And um, I was so surprised because when I went to MCON, um, you know, they had like little like some swag around it and they were, you know, the swag that had the little hats, meaning swag, meaning hats, um, that they were canning out. And there was like everybody started wearing these hats. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. How many how many clients do you have? Like, when did you get started? Like, what's the traction? This person has been in the Dallas space for quite a while and um, they had just started. Like I'm saying, kicked off maybe three months prior. They just had an MVP product and already they had maybe less than a dozen but significant amount of people utilizing it, talking to me about it. Like I was like, whoa, this is like the next new thing, even though the product is only fairly new. But but so we asked ourselves, like, why? How did this happen that in this MVP, you have different leaders in the DAO space? Again, it's not a huge space, but in that space, um, everyone's talking about it. How did that happen? Well, it happened because he used these same tactics I'm talking about. He reached out to different people who he had built relationships with. He himself had been in DAOs and was talking about this product. He knew which DAOs had the problem he was solving. And he also knew which people were the people who made the decision or, I guess, whipped the votes around the decision to actually get the product to come forward. So in that space, this is where I'll leave people. If you do some of that legwork, if you if you kind of commit yourself to understanding how the community works, then you can get traction way easier than if you don't know how the space works. And and I I, I just had to laugh because I was like, of course, of course, this person is incredibly successful, doesn't even have a full product yet. Um, he's he's super smart. I know it's going to really pan out, but it, it goes to show like, yes, it's about the health of the product and how great it is and the problems you're solving. And it's also about how you're able to understand the way the community works, which isn't just like knowing people in relationship. It's about that's really how it works. DAO people are community people. So you got to market to them like you would a community. Yeah. Yeah, it does keep coming back to community, which means a lot of work and a lot of following up and a lot of people conversations. Mm -hmm. All right. It's a good place to end. I like that success story. Do you feel comfortable saying who it was? Yeah, it was uh, a good friend of mine who created a company called There's a lot I was saying that. It's called uh, Hats or it's Hats? It's called Hats. H-A-T-S. And so they had hats that um um they were wearing and so these hats said hat hat on it hat, hat. is this come... hats.finance decentralized uh smart bug bounty marketplace no i don't know i'd have to probably oh. find it for i don't even know okay. if they have a website to be honest with you um oh really okay like it was so early phase they probably have a discord and maybe a notion just really putting a smile on my face thank you emily thanks <laughs> yeah, for doing this um, thanks for having me <laughs> for people right. who are listening of course, we're going to have a link in the show notes to Emily's site, but it is popagency.xyz. Thanks for being on here. Thanks for having me.